Welcome to Lunasod 2022. We're still alive. That's the official name of this class. <laughs> Somehow we've made it this far. Check it out. Incredible. Um, let's just jump right in. I'm Megan Angus. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much to my patrons who support me in this work and make these classes possible and make it possible for me to teach them for free for people. Um, uh, the more I do it, the more I realize I'm kind of supposed to be doing it, which is sort of weird, cool all at the same time. Um, but those types of personal revelations are all, all of what Lunasod season is about, realizing where we are badasses, realizing where we have power, where we have capacity, um, and then accepting the responsibility of wielding that stuff in the world to the betterment of humanity, whether they deserve it or not. <laughs> um, all right, so today we are talking about Lunasad. This is one of the cross-quarter holidays. And what do we mean by cross-quarter? Well, we can see it right here in this glyph. Um, we can see this equal armed cross behind the pentagram. Uh, and Lunasad, Samhain, Imbolc, and Beltane are our four cross-quarter holidays of the year. They are definitely the bigger uh, Sabbaths, the greater Sabbaths is what some pagans and Wiccans refer to these, these four Sabbaths as. And then the lesser Sabbaths are the quarter holidays, and those are our equinoxes and solstice, um, Mabon, Yule, Ostara, and Letha. That's winter and summer solstice and fall and spring equinox. So here at Lunasad, what are we doing? Well, we are working through issues and subject matter like power, maturation, leadership, production, prophecy, and ancestor work. We have fully left behind the energy of spring. We are fully in the heart of summer now. And Letha season that opens up summer and leads into Lunasa or Lunasad is a time where we stop experimenting and we start claiming. If we think of our life and our projects like a big garden, um, and we've thrown lots of seeds in the ground and we've thrown a bunch of starters in the soil during spring, at summertime, we claim which of those projects we are going to nurture to fruition. And we also make some decisions about which ones are not going to be grown or nurtured to fruition this time around the wheel. Not to say that we couldn't try to do that stuff next time, just you know, knowing that we can't do it all What's the stuff that really deserves our attention, our support, our power, that stuff? And that's where that maturation and leadership idea really come in is, you know, what are the projects that need our leadership, that need our claiming? And where are we going to push into the world and insist this thing is going to happen? This thing is actually going to grow and be a thing. Um, and as we talk about all of our magical symbolism and our holy days and all of that stuff, um, we are going to see these uh, ideas sort of play out. Power, obviously, is a huge element of the symbolism magically, spiritually, uh, that we're working with in Lunasad season because we are witnessing the sun in the northern hemisphere at the zenith and 
falling of its power. At Letha, summer solstice, the sun is truly at its apex, but it's not the hottest and brightest part of the year necessarily, right? It's the longest days, but it's as we move through July and into August that we really see the heat and the full potential of the sun. And the number one place where we see the power of the sun sort of play out is in the harvest, in the massive grain harvest that starts at the equator and slowly moves its way up towards the North Pole. And so Many countries around the world in the Northern Hemisphere are in the midst of their grain harvest. Uh, some folks may already have concluded that at this point, depending on how close to the equator they are. Um, and that is a fantastic demonstration of the sun's power, the capacity for the sun to insist on things growing and being produced and all of that stuff. And of course, that leads us into production. When we're talking about the harvest, we're talking about this solar and earth uh, cycle that we're in, we are witnessing all those plants, right, literal and otherwise metaphorical, um, coming to some type of fruition and now coming to a type of ripening. And if you are with me every week for the um, Spinning the Wheel podcast, you know that I talk about that idea of fruition versus ripening when we are working with the full moon versus the disseminating moon. And the symbolism is very similar here. We absolutely could compare the full moon to Letha and the disseminating moon, the next phase after the full moon, absolutely compares to Lunasad or Lamas as it is also known. Uh, and so there's a difference between a fruit appearing and a fruit becoming ripe. And that idea of transformation from just being a fruit to being a ripe fruit <laughs> is a big part of the symbolism that we are working with in this holiday. Uh, prophecy. Prophecy comes to us in uh, a bunch of different forms during this season. It is absolutely interwoven with our ancestor work. And also these are two separate ideas. Uh, why? Why is prophecy focused on so heavily at this time? Because one false move from the gods in the sky, uh, one errant bolt of lightning during a thunderstorm, um, a couple of hours too much of some rain or not enough hours of rain as we are experiencing currently and probably in the next several years going forward if we don't get our shit together as a species, uh, means that the crops fail. And so if the crops fail, the whole system kind of falls apart. We can't feed our animals. We can't feed ourselves or our people. We can't make the stuff that we would normally be making with those plants that should be growing at this time of year. And so prophecy becomes something that people rely on heavily past and present to get a sense of what else is going to happen this year? Is there anything that I need to be looking out for? Um, is there something that I, uh, is there something that I need to do a force that needs mitigating, uh, an entity that needs appeasing in some way, um, or something that I need to be protective of and watchful for in this season to ensure my harvest and the harvest of the people around me. And then ancestor work. As we move through Lunasad season, with all of this life and vitality imagery that is around us, power, right? Solar energy all around us. 
there is also death and death in a uh, subject or not subjective, but a symbolic sense and literal sense as well. Why? Well, one, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, August is the season or the, the month uh, as we look backwards in time that has had more wars than any other month of the calendar year. And from a practical standpoint, if there's anything practical about war, there really isn't, but from a practical standpoint, what we see is that there's food to feed troops. And so the days are long and the weather is nice and people can sleep outside and taking care of all of those people that are doing that awful stuff is a little bit easier. And so civilizations past and present take advantage of the summertime months, um, but in particular August for waging war. Um, and so sacrifice becomes really intense there and soldiers die and that becomes part of the ancestor work that we're doing. Um, again, prophecy, uh, asking for help, asking for guidance. How did you guys deal with it when it was your generation dealing with these troubles and these question marks? Um, can you give us some advice? How do we deal with this? And it's pagans, absolutely, that are doing a lot of the ancestor work. But as we will see in um, our holy days, there's ancestor work happening all over the Northern Hemisphere in lots of different belief systems, past and present. So it was a really big deal. And we're going to get a little bit deeper into that symbolism as we move through the class. Um, I don't want to give it all away just yet. So uh, major themes for witches, power, maturation, leadership, production, prophecy, and ancestor work. And in particular, um, the stuff, the symbols that we're focused on and the ways that these types of things are manifesting, the fire, the sun, production, competition, personal power, fruits of labor, performance, strength, leadership, wisdom, sacrifice, and taking the best. Okay. So some of the other names that this holiday has uh, give us some sense of what we're doing here. So Lunasad itself, let's talk about that name first. What does that come from? Uh, this is named for the Irish god Lu or Lug. It's pronounced both ways. Uh, this is a, a Gaelic, an Irish Gaelic deity um, who was a bright, or is really, I should say, um, a bright, skilled warrior deity. And um, Lunasad was a festival that culminated a two-week festival that started in the middle of July and culminates here at the beginning of August um, that were funeral games held in honor of Lou's foster mother, Tailtiu. And those were referred to as the Tailtian games or the Lou games or the Lunasad games. Um, so here, right off the bat, with the very name of the holiday Lunasad, we have ancestor worship, right? Funeral games for his stepmom or foster mother, excuse me. Um, and uh, in some uh, historical accounts, they were two weeks long. In other historical accounts, they were a month long. And what we think of as Lonasad locked to August 1st was really sort of just the middle part. And there were weeks leading up to it and weeks after it. Uh, in those games, 
you would have seen a variety of different uh, competitive sports um, taking place, as well as uh, competition between um, craftspeople. And so that's another thing that comes through for us in Lunasod season is showing off your best, showing off um, what you are capable of. If you think you're the best hat maker in the world, this would be the time period to show off your very best hats that you've ever made. Um, so there is this sense of competition. There's this sense of um, braggadocio about Lunasod. First Harvest is another name for this holiday. And there are three harvests. This is the first one. <laughs> uh, Lunasod being the first. Maybon or fall equinox is the second harvest. That's the veggie and fruit harvest. And then the third harvest is Samhain, also known as the blood harvest. It just gets super gothic very quick. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's indicative of the types of harvests that are happening. First harvest is the grain harvest. And so, again, as I said, we're seeing this grain harvest happening all throughout the Northern Hemisphere. At Maybon, we will have the fruit and veg harvest because that's the time of year that our fruits and veggies are really coming into ripeness and um, are going to stop growing for this current growth cycle. Uh, not all, obviously, there's wintertime veggies, but the big ones kind of kaput somewhere in September or the beginning of October. And then uh, the third harvest, Samhain, the blood harvest. Uh, why this name, other than just being dramatic? Um, because this would have been the time where uh, ancient peoples and not so ancient peoples, really, this is still happening around the planet, pick which animals are going to be uh, nurtured and supported uh, through winter and which ones are going to be sacrificed um, maybe we didn't have a good pull in from our grain harvest and now enough time has passed that we see we're not going to have enough grain to keep ourselves and our animals fed. So we know that we're going to have to call some of the animals that we have. And this again speaks to this idea of choosing and picking what things can be supported and what things are not going to be supported this time around uh, in the harvest. Lunasa is another spelling for this name, Lunasad. Midsummer, really how? <laughs> but yes, in fact, Beltane, Letha, and Lunasad all are called Midsummer by various groups, past and present. Um, so this is just another name for that. Um, but it also is literally the middle of summer. Uh, we have Cancer season, Leo season, and Virgo season as the three chunks of summertime and Lunasad really speaks to this middle portion where Leo sits. Um, and so it is in fact, the middle of summer. Uh, loaf mass, this connects us to uh, the traditional name, the other traditional name for this holiday, Lamas. And um, it really kind of goes back and forth with uh, which group of witches and pagans and heathens you're working with. There's lots of groups that only ever refer to this holiday as Lunasa or Lunasad. And then there are other groups of people that only ever refer to it as Lamas. And this word means uh, loaf and it refers to bread. And of course, bread comes from grain. And so the connection there is pretty direct, but also the symbolism of taking the ripe grain and doing something with it, making a thing, right? I'm not just growing bread. 
uh, I'm not just um, uh, I'm not just growing bread or, or I'm not just growing grain, excuse me for the hell of it. Right. I'm growing grain to ultimately produce something and do something with it. Um, and so loaf mass or llamas. And then Freyfest, uh, this connects to Freya, the goddess, um, heavily involved in a lot of this stuff that we're talking about. But it also connects to um, Fae. So Frey and Fae, as in the fairies. Um, and uh, we don't mess with them too much <laughs> here on <laughs> in this collection of work. Um, because they are potent, potent entities. Uh, but it is a witnessing of the powers of the natural world, big time, uh, during this holiday. Is there anything else I want to say about that? Uh, no. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. This is our Sabbath sign. I still, after all these years, have not figured out who created these. Uh, the Sabbath signs that I work with are now fairly traditional Wicca. Um, and to a lesser extent, pagan. Um, they, as far as I can tell, were uh, invented sometime in the last hundred years. I don't think that these are ancient symbols. I'm pretty certain that they are modern. Um, and I absolutely cannot, I've found some very old images in books with them, but I cannot find uh, who invented them, like who started to create these in the first place. Because of that, I actually love working with these symbols. Um, and I think that they're kind of living magical entities in that idea that we get to sort of discover what they are as they come into usage. And to me, this looks a lot like a bow and arrow and hunting is a big deal uh, during this time of year um, and as we move towards fall. But this also marks that halfway point, right? That zenith point of the arc and then the coming down, <laughs> right? We can only go down from here is sort of some of the energy that we're working with in Lunasad season. All right, before we go to the global themes, I'm going to read you just a little bit out of the book. Um, in our goddess and god arc, uh, and this is, uh, this is definitely imagery that a lot of Wiccans work with. Uh, plenty of pagans work with this imagery as well, but it's not universal. All pertinent deity aspects are living at the height of their power at this time, sitting in the seat of their authority, grasping their will and beginning to begin to produce results on the physical plane. So again, coming back to that idea of Letha sort of being the fruition moment when the thing arrives, but Lunasad being the point where it has ripened and now it's usable or it's demonstrable or it's, it's the thing that it's intended to be in its fullness. This process will ultimately deplete them, but for now they rage. And the Holly King, known as the Dark Twin, kicks off his reign of the waning half of the year with how else would you do it? Sex and death, of course, at the hands of the goddess. The deity is living and is the living embodiment of power. The deity pushes that force into the harvest and then is sacrificed as the plants harvested. And so here again, we are getting this really intense moment of sacrifice being you know, that's kind of underscoring all of this solar power and this flare and this, you know, competition and, 
and, and bigness, right. And brightness that we get in all of our symbolism with Lunasad, we also have underneath it all the, the creeping darkness <laughs> as we love it here in witchcraft. <laughs> um, the Holly King, uh, as compared to the Oak King, uh, and just, you know, for a little moment of symbolism here, think about when it is that the Oak King begins their reign. They begin at winter solstice. The sun is absolutely at its lowest point. And so the Oak King in a lot of ways represents power that starts very, very low, very small and grows and grows and grows. The Holly King arrives at summer solstice. And so the Holly King arrives at the zenith of power. And again, there's nowhere to go but down in that process. And so we see a king or a god that is born at the height of their power and is only going to diminish from that point. Potent stuff. Okay. So let's look at some of the global themes that we have going on here. Authority, leadership, work, and labor, fruition, and sacrifice. This is the type of stuff that we are going to see a lot of in not only our pagan, wicked, and heathen holidays, but holidays past and present around the planet for a lot of the other belief systems that are, have been or are doing their thing. Um, so on the days of lunasad traditionally speaking <laughs> side note queen of the tangents here um when we talk about the days of lunasad if you are reading your you know current book on wicca that's telling you the holidays it's going to be baked in that august 1st is the day of lunasad well we've already learned that lunasad actually refers to a festival that lasted for weeks and had all kinds of activities um, and people coming and going and doing a variety of stuff. So uh, something that I really stress with the cross-quarter holidays and with all of the Sabbaths really um, is that they are not held to a single day. There might be a pivotal event or some pivotal events that happen on a day or particular days, but uh, the season really is the, the thing that's going on. It's almost always more than 24 hours. In fact, it often is weeks and weeks and weeks of the vibe or the energy that we're working with. Um, but on these particular days that in modern traditional paganism, <laughs> modern traditional, um, we're talking about August 1st and 2nd. And so we have stuff like the Feast of the Grain Harvest, the Feast of Osiris, the Days of Loki and Sigyn from our Odinist friends and, and Nordic friends, um, the Feast of St. Sophia from our Catholic friends, um, and the Festival of Spies or Spes from our Roman friends and ancestors. Um, but at this time of year, we have a whole bunch of stuff going on that still echoes a lot of these things. We have the wedding of Osi Isis and Osiris happening at this time of year. We have the Feast of Mary Magdalene, uh, Hapshetsut's day from our ancient uh, Egyptian friends and ancestors. And then we start to get into um, uh, a, a really interesting mix as we move out of Leo season and into Virgo. So we move through August and into the end of August and towards the beginning of, the beginning of September, move into Virgo. Um, there becomes more and more of an emphasis on goddesses as embodiment of wisdom 
and death work and ancestor work. So again, the Feast of Mary Magdalene, but also the Feast of the Birth of Mary and the Descent of the Holy Sophia in Catholicism. Um, we have the Festival of the Good Death or Boamort from our Vodun or Yoruba diaspora, friends and ancestors, and uh, the Bon Festival in Japan. So let's talk about life and then let's talk about death, even though they're all happening at the same time, right? Just, just like Earth, <laughs> just like reality. So throughout August, uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, we are seeing corn and grain harvest festivals across the board. Indigenous tribes from the Southeast, like Cherokee, Creek, Choctaw, Chickasaw, Seminole, Timucua, and others celebrate their first corn harvests and the ripening of the second harvest. Uh, and this is beginning sort of in the midst of July and running all through August, um, or whenever the harvest is ready to eat. Um, Celebrations continue throughout the lunar month of August and into the lunar month of September. And our lunar months and our uh, modern calendar months have actually kind of matched up a lot this year. We don't always get that year to year. It's going to get a little weirder next year. <laughs> Things are going to be kind of off from each other. But this year they've been really close. It's been fun to, to watch the days line up with the days. Um, but some of the most traditional stuff that we see during this time, obviously harvesting, but also fires are put out and relit. So there's a sense of like ending an old energy stream and starting up a new one in the midst of all of this power. Worn out items are destroyed and some people fast or purify themselves in a variety of different ways, but also things like debts being forgiven Hmm. I wonder if there's like a government that could take a hint or a tip from that. Um, and valuable or powerful items are cleaned, repaired, and displayed. And again, that speaks back to that idea of if I'm a craftsperson or really if I'm anybody and I've got something to show off, this is the time of year to show that stuff off a little bit. Both as a, a moment of just feeling good about yourself and feeling good about this thing that you have to show off, but also sort of recognizing the, the, the energy of the system that we're in in totality of like, yes, everything is flaming and engorged at <laughs> this time of year. <laughs> okay. Um, but then we also have, uh, as we move through August and into September, um, I'll talk about that in a second, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce back. So we were, we've talked about the Holly King briefly at the beginning of class as an iteration of the Godhead or the God manifestation as this entity that starts at a high point and goes down. And uh, a perfect entity for me that I talk about every year that really uh, embodies this process is a god named Krom Dub, and uh, or Domnach Krom Dub is his full name. This is another Gaelic Irish uh, deity, and uh, the festival for Krom Dub is always held on the last Sunday of July or the first Sunday of August. And the last Sunday of July this year happens to be August, July thirty first, so it's literally lining up. There's our stuff lining up again. Um, and so Cromnock, Cromdub, 
uh, is this Scottish Gaelic festival dedicated to Crom Croac or Crom Dub. Um, Crom Dub means the dark crooked one and refers to the hobbled king god after his sacrifice or defeat. So when we are working with the imagery of the Oak King and the Holly King, they fight at winter solstice and summer solstice for who's going to take over uh, being in charge, being the king, being the consort to the goddess or goddesses. Um, and at summer solstice, the Holly King bests the Oak King, fights him and wins. And that fight can take a bunch of different forms. Sometimes it's totally symbolic. Uh, sometimes we see like an actual sacrifice in some of our myths as we go back, we'll see uh, a king lose an eye or receive like a really heavy scar across the face. But sometimes that's even more severe and they're literally beheaded. Um, and that beheading thing, some kind of a wound to the neck, a wound to the head or the face, very symbolic, very, very important in this idea of one king winning over the other one and this energy system being defeated and this other energy system rising up. Um, so what other holiday do we have at this time of year that's similar to this? The beheading of St. John. And St. John is venerated at summer solstice. And then here, six weeks later, his head's getting cut off. I'm sure it's just a coincidence, as we like to say here in the class. Um, but, you know, I really go in on the imagery of Jesus and John as being the light twin and the dark twin. Uh, fire and water, it's all there, right? <laughs> um, so there is something to this idea of this entity rising and sort of stepping out and saying, I'm the best, I'm the most, I'm the brightest, and being sacrificed at this time. Um, again, Crom Dub the dark crooked one. Um, and to me, I love the symbolism, but it really is the idea of something that has risen and now is falling. Do with that what you will. <laughs> okay. As we move through the season and that deity or those deities are having that <laughs> type of adventure, on the other side of the page with um, a lot of our goddesses, what we're seeing step forward are either these goddesses that are the, the embodiment of wisdom and enlightenment, and they're going to have another time later in the year. But this is sort of the first time in the energy cycle that they kind of step forward and start to do stuff. Um, and goddesses that are embodiment of water. So we have the birthdays and the feast days for goddesses like Yemoya and Oshun from the Yoruba diaspora. Uh, due to the diaspora of the Yoruba land peoples, the feast dates for various deities are scattered across the calendar. So let me say that first. Um, uh, we have holy days for Oshun and Yemoya literally throughout the calendar. February has a really, really big one. It's vaguely connected to carnival season or I should say the carnival season that happens in February um, because also during Lunasad season, there's a whole bunch of uh, Yoruba land groups that hold carnival here at the height of summer uh, because it connects to slavery being abolished uh, in their particular country. Um, and so that is why they're holding carnival during this season because it connects to that political event. But also September, uh, the 7th, the 6th, the 8th, 
somewhere in that first week of uh, September is also a worldwide moment that we see a lot of veneration for these two deities. Um, but the, oh, the celebrations of Yamaya, the great ocean mother creatrix goddess, and her sister Oshun, goddess of rivers, often fall during Virgo season, particularly near the very beginning of September, as I said. And so here we have a very interesting connection between Virgo and these water deities and enlightenment stuff, because also at this time of year, especially as we move out of Leo season and into the very end of Lunasad season, which is covered by Virgo, we have women's festivals around the planet. The Feast of Wisdom dedicated to Ma'at and Sophia and Saraswati and Metis. Um, we have uh, the uh, Mawaru, the women's healing and fertility ceremony from Hopi people, um, Anant Chatterdashi, women's purification festival from our Hindu friends and ancestors, and on and on and on. And this is an acknowledgement of um, the work that's being done by Mother Earth, by the planet Earth itself or herself or their self. Um, in the great production of all of this stuff. It is in preparation for the massive birth that the earth is about to deliver um, in their mother goddess aspect at these festival holidays. Lunasad, yes, Maybon, definitely, uh, Samhain to a lesser extent. Festivals celebrating women, femmes, and all people who give birth and midwives, people who assist, doulas as well, people who assist in this, appear in the ancient and modern world across the globe as we move into the late part of summer and the beginning of September. We also have the women's right to vote during this time period as well. Um, as you know, a more modern holiday, uh, but yes, so, we have a, a really interesting combination of stuff going on here. On one side, we have our godheads who are fighting each other and rising and deflating. <laughs> and then on the other side, we have these goddesses that are sort of coming together as a big group, taking care of each other and preparing for the waters that are going to break uh, and the great birth that is going to be delivered soon enough. All right, moving on. This is our sky guide for Lunasad season this year. This is the sky guide for 2022. I'll leave that up for a few minutes so you guys can take some notes. Everybody that is um, subbed to me on Patreon, again, thanks guys so much. Um, this is already uploaded for you in the Patreon bag of holding the link for the Lunasad class. This is everybody that is subbed at the $9 and higher level, the Venus level and higher. You have access to this folder. This is already in there, so you don't have to write it down <laughs> or, or do help yourself. Um, but what do we see here? We have uh, several different or a few different uh, meteor showers happening. And these are some of the biggest and most popular meteor showers of the year. Um, and the Perseids uh, actually peak closer to the 7th or the 11th, the 10th of August. And so the Perseids at their height this year are gonna kind of be occluded by us having a full moon at this time. Um, 
but uh, the Torian uh, meteor showers that start later in September, I think are going to, we're going to have a better time seeing those because they actually peak much deeper into the year, further into fall. Um, okay. What else do I want to talk about on here? Uh, July 22nd, the sun moved into Leo. That was a couple of days ago. And for me, that's actually when Lunasad season kind of unofficially kicks off is when the sun moves into Leo. July 28th, that's tomorrow or whenever it is that you're watching this class. <laughs> um, we have our new moon in uh, Leo. And I'm going to talk about the astrology of that in just a little bit. But um, this is our uh, first new moon of Lunasad season. And then we have solar Lunasad on August 7th. What is that? I thought August 1st was Lunasa or Lunasad. What is August 7th? What is happening here? Well, in our orbit around the sun, we hit little degree markers. And on August 7th, we are at the actual halfway point between summer solstice and fall equinox. This is the, the moment, the point. And August 7th has a million trillion billion different holidays stacked up on it from the ancient world. When we look at older calendars, we see that August 7th was actually Old Lamas or Old Lunasad. Um, and so our ancient ancestors had some level of understanding of that. I always try to give our, our ancestors credit for being much better scientists than we modern folk like to give them credit for. They were pretty damn smart. <laughs> they were really observant. Um, and so this place point um, in our orbit around the sun is actually seven days later. Again, also really supporting this idea that, you know, Lamas or Lunasad is not held to just this one day of August 1st. It really is a season. It's a multi-week event that's taking place. And then August 11th, we have our first full moon of uh, Lunasad season at 19 degrees of Aquarius. Um, and again, we'll talk about the astrology of this stuff a little bit in, in just a second. Um, August 22nd, our sun will move into Virgo. And then August 27th, we will have our last new moon of summer at four degrees of Virgo. And September 10th, we will have our last full moon of summer at 17 degrees of Pisces. Yeah, can you believe it? I know I said this last year and I say it, I think every year, but like here we are at the end of July and we're already talking about the end of summer. The wheel turns, people. <laughs> the wheel turns. Um, and I've included a few uh, heliacal risings of fixed stars in this sky guide. The heliacal risings of fixed stars uh, are place markers in time that people have used for thousands and thousands of years because the fixed stars are fixed. They are so far away in space that they appear to basically not move in time. They do move, everything wiggles in space, but they move really, really slowly compared to everything else that's going on. In fact, what we think of as the collections of stars that make up the constellations move in front of those fixed stars. Even though the fixed stars are connected to constellations, they do not stay in the constellations. Or I should really say, the constellations do not stay with those fixed stars. Even the constellations move. We're talking about thousands and thousands of years of time 
But our ancient ancestors understood these things. And we see that understanding in the megaliths around the world, um, marking the heliacal risings of fixed stars. What does that phrase mean, heliacal rising? It means that the sun is rising at the same degree as this star or just about. In fact, if you were to stay up all night and wait for the dawn, just a little while before the glow of dawn begins to show on the eastern horizon, if you knew what star to look for, you would see the rising of this particular fixed star on the eastern horizon. And then just maybe a half hour to an hour later, the glow of the sun appears. And so it's kind of like they're showing up at the same time. And these were incredibly auspicious days uh, for various groups of people, past and present. What can make working with heliacal risings and fixed stars a little confusing is lots of stuff. Um, our tropical astrology system being 2000 years behind makes it a little confusing, but also um, a lot of these are uh, like the exact day, I should say, is a variant from place to place. It really matters where you are on earth as you are attempting to observe the heliacal rising. If you are a place that's way high up on top of a mountain, you might see that heliacal rising two weeks before people down in the valley below because that whole process has to come up over the edge of the horizon at a completely different time for those people. If you traveled a few hundred miles away, it might vary by several days. So uh, heliacal risings are really, really cool. And there's lots of information on the internet about them, how to work with them, magic that can be done with them. Um, and the more I press into understanding them and working with them in my magic and in particular uh, doing wheel of the year stuff is really what got me into it. Uh, the more I have come to understand how there are these golden threads of myth and archetypal symbolism that thread right through the last 12,000 years, basically, of human events, and they all kind of line up with the fixed stars. So uh, kind of a big deal, <laughs> but also a, a, a vast body of information, and it can get a little confusing, so be easy on yourself if you decide to dive down that rabbit hole. All right. The only other thing I want to mention from this is September 9th. Yes, we have a Mercury retrograde coming up. You've been warned. Get it together. Okay. Uh, it is going to station retrograde at eight degrees of Libra, and it will retrograde back into Virgo. And that uh, retrograde cycle kind of connects between Lunasad season and Maybon season. So uh, towards the end of Lunasad, and into the beginning of Maybon, we are going to be getting an opportunity to do some review, some resetting, all of that stuff. I'll have a video up about that for patrons, um, as I've been trying to do with all of our uh, Mercury retrogrades. But TLDR, um, all of our planetary retrogrades, and I think in a way, particularly Mercury, um, are reminders to us that we can slow down pause, review, reorganize on a regular basis. In fact, it's really healthy. In fact, our gods and goddesses above our heads are doing it on a regular basis. Take a nap, pause for a minute, pull the car over to the side of the road, check the map, make sure that we're doing what we need to be doing and not doing what we don't need to do. 
Um, and any kind of a Mercury retrograde, uh, I'm always paying attention to, to where we are in the wheel when we have a Mercury retrograde, but um, Mercury retrogrades uh, in the wheel work really give us an opportunity to conceptualize what the holiday is about and then to decide what of this do I not want to carry forward? The wheel turns again, right? I'm going to come back to this holiday again. I'm going to come back to this work again in the future. What of this do I want to keep? And what of this am I evolving out of, or I don't want to work with anymore or any of that kind of stuff. So Mercury retrograde, you've been warned. All right. Um, moving into the astronomy, well, still with the astronomy, these are our um, big uh, constellations that we are working with. Will you let me do this? Hey, you did. All right, cool. It's not the right size, but hopefully you can bear with me. Here we go. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have uh, Leo, obviously, off to the right and Virgo to the left. In the book, I have them printed backwards or the opposite way because this is the way that we normally talk about this stuff, right? Leo comes first, so it goes on the left, and then Virgin Virgo comes next, so it's on the right. But in fact, this is what it actually looks like in the sky. And uh, I have listed some of the more potent uh, stars from these constellations that we work with. Um, and here is one of those moments where we're talking about heliacal rising and the precession of the equinoxes and all of this like big thousands and thousands of year mechanics of space and time moving. Regulus over here on the right, Regulus in Leo, um, is traditionally connected to the sign of Leo 100%. It's a done deal. But today, Regulus rises at zero degrees of Virgo. And there's a lot of information on the internet about that shift. Regulus is thought to be a very regal fixed star and brings in nobility and magnanimous energy and it connects us to leadership and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't go off on it, huh? But this thing has been connected to Leo for a long time. And Leo, for better or worse, has been thought of as kind of a masculine time period. That's kind of a ridiculous thing to say, but all the same. Uh, Virgo is very much considered a femme or gyne-centric time period. And Regulus, this very powerful fixed star, is now in alignment with zero degrees of Virgo. And do you think that Leo is giving that up easily? No. Take a look at the politics of the world around us and we can see what it is, the tumultuous upheaval from the Kyriarchy and the Patriarchy as power shifts towards femmes, women, and non-binary people away from traditional quote-unquote masculinity um, and the absolute tantrum people are having around the planet, um, particularly here in North America. Folks are losing their minds right now. Um, so as this fixed star continues to make its way through Virgo, or I should really say, as the constellation of Virgo continues to move past Regulus, um, we may see some incredible shifts on planet Earth around power, 
decentralizing from these traditionally masculine, patriarchal, hierarchical forms and moving into things that are not that, but outside of that binary and outside of that entire paradigm and construct. God is blessed. I'm here for it. <laughs> we love. It's been freaking fantastic. I'm here for it. Okay. Whoa, that's too big. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> it's too big. It's too big. Okay. So Leo, Virgo, delicious. All right. Now let's move into our astrology a little bit. Wait, was there anything else I wanted to say about that? Do, do, do. No. Okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. One other thing. Um, the full moon closest to the fall equinox, and that's going to be our full moon that's out in September. Our full moon closest to the fall equinox is called the harvest moon. It always is. Uh, and this is the only full moon name determined by an event and not the month. Uh, some of the other full moon names, while I'm here on this page, I might as well say it. Some of the other full moon names that we work with in August are names like green corn moon, wheat cut moon, blueberry moon, moon when all things ripen, right? There's our symbolism. Um, and women's moon, lightning moon, etc. A lot of these moon names uh, come from Algonquin Native Americans and other Native American tribes around the planet. Um, but lots of other groups around the world have named their full moons as well. It's very popular in Asia too. Um, so these names come from all over the world. Um, and our full moons in August are always going to be near the stars of Aquarius and Pisces. And then when we move into September, we have full moon names like full corn moon, scarlet plum moon, when the deer paws the earth moon, chrysanthemum moon, et cetera, et cetera. And this year, uh, because the full moon that's closest uh, is the September full moon, uh, the closest to fall equinox, this year's September moon will be the harvest moon. Okay. Moving on to our moon work and our astrology of all this stuff. So we've been talking a little bit of astronomy, a little bit of astrology, kind of mixed back and forth um, with Leo and with Virgo. Um, we're seeing this very leadership, responsibility, uh, you know, bright, bold, courageous, competitive energy as we move through Leo. And then that tames a little bit or mellows really a little bit into maturity, responsibility, production, and, um, you know, a, a type of wisdom, a type of enlightenment, and a preparation for the work work that is coming at the end of Lunasad and stepping into fall. So coming into this half of summer, it's time for us to put our shoulders back, fill our chests with fire, and let out a good roar. It's time to make our mark on the world and to put our creations on pedestals. The new moon in Leo, which is tomorrow uh, or July 28th, whenever you're watching this, um, is where we get to demonstrate our radiance through creating, performing, or otherwise commanding the spotlight or taking a leadership role in joy for our community. And I want to pause and talk about that for just a second. Pull up this other book that I have notes in. Um, this particular Leo moon is at five degrees of Leo. Um, and it is, 
it is really a fantastic moon for setting intention around joy, play, love, erotic energy, uh, pushing ourselves to take risks a little bit, pushing ourselves to kind of step out onto the stage in whatever way makes sense for us. Um, we want to summon courage, um, but also with some of the other astrology that's happening with this new moon, um, we have Mercury square Uranus happening in the sky at the same time. We have, um, uh, you know, some other stuff going on. I'm looking at my notes, I'm like, yeah, 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 we'll talk about it. Um, we have some moments where we really do want to be aware and go slow. Um, if we are stepping into a moment of combat, we want to make sure that this is our fight to fight. Um, and with the risk and gambling uh, element that is inherent in Leo and its astrology, I keep hearing the no one to hold them, no one to fold them in the back of my mind. Um, and that's kind of stressed in this particular turn of the wheel as we hit this Leo new moon. Generally speaking, yes, be loud, be brash, be bold, be filled with love. Um, where competition is required, where stepping up and fighting for something or uh, being competitive in a more serious way is called for, just watch yourself, be careful, make sure that you are in the best place that you can be if that is a fight that you think that you need to take on or it feels right and good for you to take on that fight, this is the time to do it. Um, but know that it is your fight to take on and it's okay to walk away from the ones that are not yours, especially in this time period uh, for our country and the world at large. There's a lot of stuff that's really funky out in the world right now and people are popping off in way different ways than they, than they have in some time. Um, you know, just to say it very frankly, it's a lot more violent out there. Um, and people are are absolutely being persecuted simply for existing, um, simply for being who they are. And if it feels right, if it is right and good for, in fact, I don't even know if I want to say if it feels right, because sometimes we have to step into actions that we are, that scare us. And our brain initially might be saying this isn't right. It may, it might be. Um, I don't want you to hurt yourselves and I don't want you to put yourselves in danger, but sometimes there are times when um, we have to switch from being an ally to being an accomplice. I'll say it that way. Um, so be very particular about where you put your energy this time around the wheel, but also there are some really serious situations that, that are calling for community support and, um, and they're calling for us to be loud and to be courageous about things and the time is now, the time is now to act on that stuff. So, okay. Coming back to the, the general work that we are doing with a Leo new moon. Um, again, leadership roles in joy. Where can we bring joy and happiness and playfulness back to our community and back to our people? Where can we be the clown? Um, where can we be the star on stage that's going to delight and dazzle people and get their minds off of their troubles and their worries? That might be some of the most courageous stuff that we can do in this season. For our personal work uh, during the Leo, the Leo New Moon, I recommend listing three talents that you want to learn or improve on 
make a quick plan to do it and then demonstrate it or show it off. That could be, I want to learn how to cook something. And then you learn and you cook it and you give, you present it to friends. You have a dinner party. Um, or I want to learn how to play this instrument and I do. And now I'm going to play a song for my friends, warts and all warts and all it's bravery. It's courageous. It's entertaining. It's all of that stuff. And you're doing it from a place of love. Can't get better than that. Okay. But then we have our full moon in Aquarius at 19 degrees on August 11th. And this is in particular where we really want to think about the differences in being an ally and being an accomplice. And I want to remind all of us that we don't get to decide if we are good allies. All we get to do is try to be good allies. And how we start with that is by listening to the needs of the people around us and deciding, yes, that's something that I can step to. And then we step to it. And then we get a report card back from those people on how our help helped or didn't. And it's important to make note of this because as we move through Leo season, our egos can get a little puffy. <laughs> our egos can be a little big. And in a lot of ways, I think that's actually okay. This is the season for puffing our chest out, putting our throat or shoulders back and being like, bitch, I'm here. Let's fucking go. But, and also if we are offering our support or assistance to people, we can't be doing that from a place of ego. We need to be doing that from a place of love. And if they correct us, if they say, actually, that's not helping, please stop. We need to listen. That is us stepping into our maturity. And that is us actually claiming the responsibility of being a help to someone else. The responsibility of, I need to do it exactly the way that they need me to do it or I'm not helping, right? Okay. So, this full moon is really asking us to sit with, you know, what is it to be a helper? What is it to be an ally? And what is it to be an accomplice? Because sometimes we have to go a little above and beyond just saying, hey, here's $5 to your cause. And instead, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go with you to court. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> uh, for our full moon in Aquarius, we head backstage after the, for the after party, celebrate friendships, make allies, strengthen bonds, sign autographs, and consider the influence and importance of our friendships and connections to the shared mind. And then we uh, move into Virgo season. And this is our Virgo moon work. We will have our new moon at four degrees of Virgo on August 27th. And this is a moment in the midst of all of this heat and all of this work where it really is important in any way possible to take time to step away from community, step away from the group, step off the stage, step out of the spotlight, put the work down for a moment and go be with ourselves and recenter and refocus. Now, let me emphasize here, we have a Mercury retrograde that starts in Libra and comes back into Virgo running from the end of Lunasad into uh, Maybon season. Mercury is the ruling planet of Virgo. So this new moon is a little more emphasized on this idea of, hey, let me go be by myself for a second and recenter, refocus, and reground into what I need to be getting done. 
if it is at all possible, take some time to be alone. Consider the things that have grown under your care this year. And again, that considering is absolutely part of our Mercury retrograde work. Let me think about this for a while. Let me review. Let me consider. And then we have our full moon in Pisces at 17 degrees, September 10th or 11th, depending on where you are on the planet. I think it said September 11th. Um, consider the toll the body takes living in this world. Whoo. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I forget what I've written and then I come back and I'm like, oh, so I did that, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> um, in particular, this is a year, right? We are in a chunk of years where this is something that I've talked about with a lot of clients recently. Um, anxiety is just in the air, paranoia, fear, aggression. It's just like it's in the, mo the molecular mix of the air that we breathe right now. And many of us embody our anxiety. We push it into our body as a means of not dealing with it in the brain and not dealing with it in the emotional world. Um, and a lot of us just naturally, that's the avenue for our anxiety or our stress or our fear to show itself is through our body. Virgo is all about the body and caring for the body. Remember, this is the sign that we are moving through as we spiritually and physically prepare for the great harvest of the Mother Earth at Maybon, at fall equinox. So Virgo season in total gives us this moment to review and pause and reorient. And it can feel frustrating um, and I think that this is where Virgo sometimes gets a little bit of its bad rap uh, for being a little nitpicky or petty about things or too concerned with the details is because it's a very kind of Jiminy Cricket, you know, Cricket versus the Grasshopper kind of moment. If you're familiar with that old folktale of, you know, there's one one of those insects is like busily hurrying along and stashing grains and nuts and fruits and stuff like that for winter. And the other one is just like hanging out and being like, it's summertime. What's the matter with you? Like, why are you working so hard? Just enjoy yourself. And Virgo says, because the shift is coming, you might not be able to feel it or see it today, but I know the wheel turns and that shift is coming. So Virgo season gives us an opportunity to review, reflect, reorganize, and start to put away some of our summer life elements um, and begin to pull out the fall elements or begin to prepare for the shift that we are going to go through as we change forms and transform through fall and heading towards winter, which we know is coming eventually. Um, but this Virgo season in particular, also with astrology, but I don't even need the astrology, just look outside. Um, this is a great time to really take a moment and consider the toll that the body is taking living in this world. And as I say on the podcast every week, I am not a doctor of the human corpus. I am a doctor of wizardry and the moon and stars and witchery. Um, and so I'm not telling you what to do with your body. <laughs> Talk to your trusted health advisor about that stuff. Um, but consider this right again mercury retrograde here what do i need to let go of what do i need to leave behind what is not working for me what do i just need to reorganize 
in my self-care routines, in my body care routines, what has changed for me in the last three years of us living through this really incredible pandemic and everything. And now a second pandemic is on the rise because of climate change. Um, And so on that, also considering the toll that the earth body is taking, living the lives that we live. Okay. I think of Lunasad like the high point of a roller coaster where you hover weightless before hurtling back down to earth. During the first half of Lunasad, the energy wants us to strut. We are the new king. We are the young queen. We are the fantastic sovereign. We are the golden rock star, the glittering pop star, dazzling under the flashing lights, taking up the stage and the microphone and the camera. And yes, here I am. You can't get enough of me. We are high on the heat of summer and the intoxication of people short nights. So we're all sleeping less. We're a little delirious, right? Probably also with the heat, (laughs) Um, warm skin, the smell of blooming flowers, bonfires, fireworks, barbecues, and on and on. The summer feels like it could go on forever. Spontaneous adventures feel totally possible. Living is relatively easy. Looking out across the land, The first harvest is coming in, golden grains, boats full of fish. You can sleep outside. Lunasad wants us to go for it, to blow it out even. Our budding fruits are ripening. And we are beginning to see the initial results of the year so far. As we move into the final weeks of summer, aka Virgo season, We can feel a little overblown, spent, or hung over from the excess of summer. A hermitage is just what the soul needs. Getting back to the personal, the daily routine, the simple self-care elements, the personal rituals of life. Also, it's hard to believe that this magical time will end, but the elder in us knows the wheel turns, and summer will end. Begin tending to the body, recalling the self-work like movement and diet that is so needed in fall and winter. Work with and thank your community healers and people who hold space for us to have these hermetic hermitage moments. And so... Looking at your natal chart, what I recommend doing is thinking, looking at Leo, looking at the section of Leo and looking at the section of Virgo. What houses do those cover in your natal chart? Those are going to have beginning moments and emphasis moments and growing moments because those are where our new moons are going to be. Our new moon is going to be in Leo. Our new moon is going to be in Virgo. We're going to have other planets doing stuff there, kind of, but that's where a lot of the emphasis is. And moreover, the sun is moving through Leo and Virgo. So whatever houses are covered by Leo and Virgo are going to have a lot of that aha kind of stuff. And then looking across the chart to Aquarius and Pisces, that's where we are going to have our two full moons of Lunasad season. 
So whatever houses are covered by Aquarius and Pisces for you are where you might have some culminating moments, some things coming to fruition and then playing out and sort of showing you where is it time for me to be quiet? Where is it time for me to be loud? Where is it time for me to connect with my friend group? I've been a star, but we are all stars. Um, and where is it time for me to take a moment and consider uh, what healing maybe I need to do or what preparation I need to do for my physical body, my emotional body, my mental body, my spiritual body before we transform and change shape and move into fall. Okay. So now let us move to tarot. I'll pull up this one instead. Okay. So these are our major arcana that we are working with for uh, Lunasad season. Uh, last year, two years ago, I did a tarot circle on uh, strength. This year, we just, like last week, was it? What is time? Uh, <laughs> last week, we just had our tarot circle on the sun. Again, for everybody who has access to the Patreon bag of holding, uh, Venus level and higher, these classes are already up and available for download. Also, uh, a year ago or two years ago, I did a class on the hermit. Um, all three of these are like pretty intense lectures with uh, slides and um, they really are just kind of like a deep dive into the symbolism of these three cards. Maybe I'm going to do Mercury for our tarot circle next month. I don't know. Say yes if you're into that. Otherwise, we'll come up with something else. Um, but these are our major arcana. And um, folks who've worked with me for a long time know that I love bouncing back and forth between uh, the Smith Waite deck, which is the deck that lots of people are very familiar with. That's this deck here. And this deck, which is the Bota deck or the Builders of the Aditum deck. This deck comes in black and white and you paint each card as a means of developing a very personal and um, uh, intense connection with the symbolism in each card. So we have the sun, and Leo, and Virgo, and Mercury. And um, oh, there's so many things, so many things to say. <laughs> so many things to say. Let's, yeah. okay. Um, moving first through Leo, the sun is here because it is the ruling planet of Leo. So these are our two major arcana that we are working with in this season. And strength is all about that understanding of what our power is and what it's for. What we see in that card is a person that represents the highest portions of ourself reaching down to the most leaden or base or animalistic portions of ourself and coming into union. And that for me really speaks intensely to uh, the deep work of Lunasad season. Um, this idea of, yes, I could just run naked in the sunshine and yes, I could just compete and be loud and, and be crazy and stuff and, and run around and the whole time. But to what end? What am I growing? What am I um, supporting? What am I leading, right? What responsibility am I taking on with that work? And what radiance am I pouring out into the world? 
what shining source of power and joy am I in this world or am I? Um, and is there a way that I can step into that work a little bit more with more intention? Um, the minor arcana as we move through Leo are the five of wands, the six of wands and the seven of wands. And as far as the fives go, this is probably the least bummer of the fives. I wouldn't say that any of the fives are happy cards, but this is the least bummer of the cards. The other fives, pull out your tarot and check them out. The other fives, not so, not so excited, <laughs> not so happy. Um, but we don't really know what's going on in this. And I think it speaks very closely to the energy of the middle of summer where it's just, wow, right? We're a little crazy. Again, we have, we're not sleeping a lot. The heat is keeping us up. The days are very long. The nights are very short. Um, and we kind of are just throwing our energy in all directions because we have a lot of it or more of it than we do necessarily in winter. And yet it's Saturn in Leo. And so this is that idea of what do we have when we bring together the ideas of the star on the stage and the responsibility of being a leader of some kind. Saturn in Leo to me can feel like a little bit of a bummer, right? It's a little bit of a like boundary on our boundarylessness. Um, the sun radiates out forever, right? Well, there's a point where that light stops <laughs> somewhere, somewhere out there. You can't see the sun anymore. And Saturn speaks to that idea of we do have to put an edge, a finite piece, a fence, uh, as it were, around our energy if we're going to get anything done. Or we're just going to run around, you know, waving sticks in the air and nobody really knows what's happening. Then we move into the Six of Wands, uh, Jupiter in Leo. Jupiter is our great expander. Um, and in the Six of Wands, we are opening up our process just a little bit from the friction and the chaos of the fives. Um, we're opening up a little bit, but not too much. We're picking the parts that we want to support in the sixes. And in the Six of Wands in particular, we're really choosing the roles that we want to play. We're really thinking about our ego, our identity, the people that we are for the people in our lives, right? Who I am for my mom is going to be different than who I am for my lover versus who I am for my uh, workmate, you know, my, my employer or my employee versus who I am for the person at the grocery store, et cetera, et cetera. So Jupiter and Leo, six of wands is really a moment where we kind of are thinking to ourselves, what? What roles do I really need to support? What roles do I really need to step into? Um, and I can't do them all. So I need to pick which things, again, really deserve my time, my energy, my leadership, my responsibility, my support, all of that stuff. Um, and yeah, there's more I can say about that card, but take the tarot class. <laughs> um, and then as we move to the end of Leo season, we have Mars in Leo. And in this card, uh, we see a person who maybe is in a very defensive stance, right? They look defensive. They don't look like they're too happy. They kind of look like they have a mad look on their face or an alarmed perhaps look on their face. 
And they are holding this staff in a way that feels like they are warding off the other staffs. Mars, right? Defensive, offensive, aggression. And yet, we can't see what's happening at the other end of those stabs. There could be people holding them. They might just be stuck in the ground. This is a moment for us to kind of check ourselves and to, and to recognize in our own process, am I putting my energy in the right places? Am I, you know, shouting at, tilting at windmills, right? Am I um, creating enemies? Or am I standing my ground against forces that are actually coming for me in some way or attempting to thwart what it is that I'm trying to accomplish here? Now, my favorite detail of this card, if you look very closely at this card, you will notice that this person is wearing two different shoes. It's a very small detail, but it is there and it's not a mistake. Goddess blessed Pixie, uh, <laughs> who um, created basically the images that we have in the Minor Arcana. The Minor Arcana of Tarot were not illustrated before um, Pamela Coleman Smith, Pixie Smith, uh, illustrated these cards. Pretty wild. <laughs> um, and she drew this on purpose. And why I think this detail is so important is because in the sevens, we are trying out variety. We are experimenting with variety, but we are also just dealing with variety in one way or another. And in this card in particular, what we see is a person, again, who looks like they feel defensive, right? Or they, they look like they feel like they need to be defensive or maybe offensive in some way. And what that is around is their uniqueness, their weird, their idiosyncrasies, the thing that makes them stand out, the thing that makes them different. And so as we move through this end of Leo season, working with this particular card, there is this sense of, I have every right to be my unique, weird self. Um, and I will fight for that ability as well. Again, lining up pretty tightly with the politics of our country right now, um, of people feeling attacked for being their unique autonomous self and claiming their identity and living their authentic existence, even though that might be very different from what tradition, quote unquote, says uh, the individual is supposed to be doing. Then we move into Virgo season. And the card that connects us to the sign of Virgo is the Hermit. And the Magician card connects us to the planet Mercury, which is the ruling planet of Virgo. And so here, again, we get that imagery or that idea of a hermitage, of pulling away from the group for a moment to recuperate, reorganize, assess, um, and basically to have all of the experiences or have some of the experiences that we can't have when we're surrounded by people and noise and loudness and all of the stuff. Uh, there really is a lot of incredible psychological work, emotional work, and spiritual work that we can do with and for ourselves when we are alone, when we are in our own bubble, in our own moment. We can't stay there necessarily, but we do need to check in with that space on a pretty regular basis, especially these days with as much stuff as we are being hammered with daily. 
So Virgo season, especially when um, Mercury turns retrograde, it might be a really fantastic time to go on an information diet or a social media diet, um, especially a social media diet. Um, And when I say information diet, I don't necessarily mean no information, but I mean, maybe we only look at the news at a certain time of day and we have an hour to look at the news and that's it for that day. Um, maybe we become much more particular and discerning about the news sources uh, that we interact with. Um, is it a big corporate entity that has lots of ties to, you know, here, here goes the leftist rant. You knew it was coming eventually. But truly, like even the news sources that we think that we can trust, can we? Maybe it's a really good time to find out who owns what. Who pays them? Where's that money coming from? That kind of stuff. I know, I know, I know. Um, But aside from all of that, uh, Virgo season really is this moment for us to pull back from the group for a moment and come back to center after the like, wah, of summer and road trips and parties and campouts and festivals and all that stuff that we may be engaging in. um, Virgo is like a, Whew, okay, let me take a nap. Let me do some laundry. Let me like get my act together a little bit here because fall is coming soon. And I don't want to be so out of it that it just takes me by surprise. And Mercury and its effects, I will talk about in just a second because I have a little bit to read, of course. Um, so we're going to work with the eight, the nine, and the 10 of pentacles as we move through uh, Virgo season. Of course, our suit of pentacles is all about the physical world, stuff that we are producing in the physical world and the work that we have to do to produce things and sustain things here in the physical world and how that process changes and morphs over time. So with the sun in Virgo, it is a moment of work right? We're coming back to, we're, we're leaving behind the playtime of Leo season for just a moment. And we are getting back to the practical. We're getting back to a rhythm of a type and um, remembering like, oh yes, these are the things that I've got to get done and let me get them done in a timely manner. Bam, bam, boom. And then we move into Venus in Virgo, the nine of pentacles. And this is where we really start to see some actual fruition some actual ripening and production and result from our work so far this time around the wheel. Uh, This is one of my favorite cards in the deck. I'm biased towards this card. I mean, this person is so baller that not only do they have a hat, they have a bird and their bird has a hat. I mean, come on, you're, you're living the life. If your bird has its own hat, things are probably okay for you. Um, And what this card really talks about is not just I work really hard. Well, it is actually that the nine of the nine of pentacles is really a, a moment of the universe saying, Hey, you've been working really hard. Um, good job. You know? <laughs> and um, take a moment. This also being within Virgo season, right? So a time when we are taking a moment, take a moment and look at what you've lived through. Take a moment and pat yourself on the back and say, Oh my God, I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm still making this work. Maybe I don't have a bird. Maybe my bird doesn't have a hat, but damn it, we're going to get there someday. (laughs) I'm going to get a picture of a bird with a hat and put it on the wall. 
it's a moment to breathe deep and it's a moment to be glad and be thankful for whatever you have been able to produce for yourself so far this time around the wheel. That can be a moment, especially because it's Virgo season, that can be a moment where it feels like an opportunity to detract and um, actually to get down on yourself and go, oh, wow, I had all these plans and I was going to do this and I was going to go there and I was going to be that and I was going to this and I was going to that and I didn't hardly get any of it done. Oh, my God. Look at my long list that I wrote back in New Year's, January 2022. I'm going to lose or gain whatever 50 pounds and I'm going to go to Italy and I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And all I did was go to the grocery store on a regular basis, right? We are in wild ass times right now. Um, but even if we weren't, this is a moment to not beat yourself up for what you didn't accomplish. It is a moment to celebrate whatever you have accomplished. Those negative voices, tell them to wait until next week. <laughs> They'll get their turn. But for now, no, we're not beating up on ourselves. We are taking a moment in this hermitage moment to say to ourselves, I, I did it. I've been doing it. Look at what I have managed to accomplish in the face of all of this ridiculousness that is our current paradigm. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. You assholes haven't killed me yet. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and then we move into Mercury in Virgo, where Mercury is going to be incredibly powerful, right? This is also part of where we're going to have our retrograde. And in this is the Ten of Pentacles. And in the Ten of Pentacles, we are starting to come back to the physical plane after our hermitage moment. We're starting to kind of be like, okay, what's going on? What are we doing? What are we working on? And we can get a little too caught up in the maintenance of the physical plane, right? That moment of the nine of pentacles being like, wow, look at everything I've managed to accomplish can also roll into fear of if I don't continue to work this hard, I'm not going to have this much success. Oh my God, I've got to sustain all these things. I got to keep all these plates spinning in the air. Ooh. And we can feel frozen in that moment around the idea of I have to maintain the physical plane or it's all going to fall apart. And I don't know if that's true for you or not. It's probably not. Um, it probably is going to be okay if you take a nap. It's probably going to be okay if you delete some social media apps off your phone. People will know how to find you. It's probably going to be okay. Uh, there might be a little adjustment moment, but it's probably going to be fine. And what I really want to point to is the pattern that we see the pentacles create in the Ten of Pentacles. This is the shape of the Tree of Life that is worked with as a magical symbol, a central magical symbol in the magical system of Kabbalah. Now, I'm not a Kabbalist, but I, I know about Kabbalistic symbolism to an extent because it's embedded in a lot of our magical practices, like here. And what this symbol is trying to say to us on this card is, do not forget that every bit of what we are doing right now is holy. You are holy. Your work is holy. The love you share is holy. The radiance that you bring into this world is holy. Don't get lost in the sauce. It's really easy, especially these days, to get lost in the sauce, to get pissed off about traffic, 
to be freaked out about world politics or national politics or city politics for that matter. Um, it's easy to get bogged down in fear and insecurities around the maintenance of the physical plane. Um, as an aside, we've talked about this a lot uh, in other classes and in the podcast this year, we have our lunar nodes in Taurus and Scorpio on the surface, doesn't really have anything to do with this, uh, but it does because the nodes moving through those signs draw up a lot of our fears and insecurities about fundamental stuff that we need to survive. Food, water, land, right? And again, we have a climate collapse happening around us in real time. So those fears aren't ungrounded. That Those insecurities are not ungrounded. But these types of experiences can get us so lost in that stuff that we forget we're a, a you know, a, a a fraternity or a brotherhood of man, gender it, but you know, we are, um, we are one species. We are one massive family. And if we remember that holy connection with each other, we can get to the root of what we could actually be doing with this season. Okay. As we ride the high of summer, we come into an energy current that could be described as an original vibe of the spirit as expressed in the strength card, a wild natural way of being. Bring it back up here. You can see it. One long, mighty, authentic flex. Many religions believe the ease of summer reflects a golden age, a time of peace and abundance that humans have lost by not attending to the old ways. If only we could wrangle our lower urges, we could potentially have this golden kingdom again. It's that wrangling or getting a hold of our desires and fears from this individual lifetime that is the key. All of us have an invitation to the higher dimensions of existence. But before we have traversed the labyrinth of this reality, we may just not be tuned into those other realms. It is the challenge of existence that not only tunes us in to our personal power but actually creates the maze of misunderstanding that we must wander before we can know why we have incarnated in this and all lifetimes. Before we can remember that we've been walking in the higher realms the entire time. We just got lost in the here and now. However, in our day-to-day -day lives, we forget that we are actually a family we are actually a team. We fight each other to simply play devil's advocate. We stay in little pawns to not feel small. We display power for the sake of power. We hold our ego righteously aloft, bristling with offense, come hell or high water. We sate our spirit's longing in the short-term pleasures this world distracts us with. We create friction for the sake of friction. As a species, many of us have forgotten that we are meant to be window panes that allow the light to shine through. We have forgotten to be the light 
and we have forgotten to be conductors of the light. We could be stewards for each other and the planet. As summer begins to wane, we have a chance to pull back and think about our connections and our responsibilities to our real power, to the future, and the present. What is your responsibility to building a better now? And if we all begin to consider that and work towards it, what kind of a world would we be producing? Given this way of thinking, what kind of reality are we harvesting currently? Is there any way to approach this kind of competitive, small world view with something more expansive? Okay. I'm gonna switch back over to these and show you these guys briefly. Here are our ritual forms. I know, sudden, sudden energy shift, sorry. <laughs> it's just your spirit. It's just your immortal soul and the work that you're doing in this lifetime. It's not a big deal. Just let's move on. It's fine. We're all made of stardust. It's total chaos. We're hurtling through rock, hurtling through space on a rock, random collection of molecules. But, you know, be a holy random collection of molecules. And we've got this on lock. Okay. Ritual forms that we can engage in to celebrate this season and to venerate and honor this time of year. Sacrifices of any and all types, um, symbolic or not, help yourself. Um, burning a wicker man, feasting, making or repairing sacred items and displaying them, getting frisky in a field of grain. I'm pretty much going to tell you to set something on fire and go have sex or have sexual or sensual activity of some type with yourself or other people pretty much every holiday. So there's that. Um, saving seeds. This is a big, big element at this time of year. It's that idea of gathering up the best of things, gathering up the mostest of things. Hobby horses, uh, picking berries, torchlight processions, the good kind, uh, climbing a hill, hand fasting, making corn dollies, and going through a harrowing experience. Harrowing, subjective to your whatever you can handle. <laughs> um, okay. The word llamas comes from loaf mass. Uh, bread was made from the first harvest and used as a magical device. Other harvest rituals included making rowan wood crosses to ward off summertime fairies and making and riding stangs or forked rods, sometimes with a phallic head and sometimes a horse head, which is the precursor to the hobby horse. The god form in many traditions is pushing itself into the land to produce the most bountiful harvest possible, but this also sacrifices the energy current. In many places, human sacrifice was the norm. Bog bodies, corpses of sacrificial victims found preserved by the minerals in the bogs their bodies were buried in. Some are even painted green, and they all share interesting forms of death. Choking, head wounds, leather collars around their neck, decapitation, or a triple death of being hanged, having their throat cut, and a blow to the head. So again, if you remember back to the beginning of class, that idea of something happening to the neck or the head, because again, this is 
the head of the energy. Human skulls were frequently left as offerings at waterways and in ditches or under the foundations of buildings throughout Britain. The head and face were considered to be the culmination of a person, like a leader or a priest is thought to be the face of something or the head of the body of people that they rule. They are the face to the world as well. In times of strife, or if the leader or priest could no longer rule, they would be sacrificed to the goddess. Bran the Blessed sacrificed himself to ensure the safety of Britain. His head was buried at White Hill, where the Tower of London now stands, facing Europe, and in theory, it's buried there still. The Godhead also ushers in its own death. In some parts of Scotland, like the famous Glastonbury Tour, the sun appears to actually roll down the side of a hill. Some of the stars of Leo are called the knife or the sickle. It is important to remember that some pagans of the past thought of the Mother Earth as a living being, and some pagans of the present do as well. And these sacrificial victims would have been fed directly to the Mother. Many also believed in reincarnation, so they might have expected to be born again in spring. The, the goddess takes the best or the sweetest part of the god and sacrifices it to the betterment of the entire system. She also takes the sacrifices of that which is not working anymore. And I'm going to leave you with this image of Saturn or Kronos, time, um, out in the fields, swinging their great sickle uh, over the golden heads of barley or wheat or grain or whatever. And these, these, Plants have been fostered. They, they are our projects. They are us, right? And we grow and grow and grow and we become our golden self. We become our best self. And then here comes time and wisdom and the boundary, the edge of things, shunk, cutting off our heads. And what happens next? We rise up again. And it comes to take the best and we rise up again. We can't get better than our current best if we aren't willing to sacrifice it. And that is also some of the really potent imagery that we work with here at Lunasod. Don't save up your best for someday in the future. Someday is now. We need you now and we need your very best now. And now is the time to give it up and give it over to the, the system, the group at large and yourself and yourself. And what is happening underground? Those are our ancestors. And that is also a big part of our ancestor veneration is what is the energy that is pushing that, that ripeness and that golden power up out of the ground? All of the things that we have put back into the earth. Our ancestors are gods that rose and now are falling um, and we can see that in this very straightforward imagery of the Godhead rising and falling, but also uh, with even just a lightning bolt coming from the sky and jamming that energy back down into earth. And again, all of our ancestor stuff. Okay. Symbols, all of these slides are uh, in the folder for you guys. Um, Symbols that you can work with on your altar. These are great incenses and plant friends to work with at this time of year. 
And so here are our meditations for this time of year. What have you sown this year and what is already coming to fruition? What loose ends or toxic situations are draining you? And can you attend to that stuff with positivity, joy, love, magnanimous attitude? And can you anticipate the harvest? What is coming? All right. That, I think, is everything. Oh, yeah. I have this piece up on my site. It's a couple years old. But uh, it definitely talks about working with strength and the sun during Lunasod season in much more detail than what we talked about in this class. <laughs> uh, and last but last but not least, as we're talking about all of this work that we can be doing, let me steer you in this direction. Uh, we have Shout Your Abortion, which is an advocacy group for folks who are trying to get access to abortions around the country. Uh, they have signs and t-shirts and all kinds of stuff, and they do a lot of education work and support work. We have the National Network of Abortion Funds. This is for folks who that need money to either get the abortion, to get pills, or to travel to safe abortions, especially now with the draconian laws that have changed in our country. And Indigenous Women Rising, this is an Indigenous uh, health support group that offers um, culturally sensitive uh, health uh, support for anybody that is looking for abortion and other uh, reproductive uh, assistance. But big time, absolutely support your local abortion clinic or advocacy group. Note that I didn't put a group like um, Planned Parenthood on here. I love those guys, they're fantastic. Uh, there's been some problematic elements with them, but they get a lot of money and they get a lot of support. Supporting your local groups is very, very important at this time of year, whether you are in a state that has uh, stopped uh, offering abortion services or you are in a state that is still offering them. Either we're going to be supporting people getting to states or we are supporting clinics that are going to be overrun with people from other states. And on the other side, um, we have the Trans Lifeline. This is a uh, trans support group that reaches out in a bunch of different directions, run by and for trans people. And they have completely divested themselves from uh, working with the police in any way. So uh, they are something more of a safe space um, out there. Uh, and if you haven't heard, trans people are basically under attack right now in our country. Their literal existence is <laughs> under attack. Um, and so th this group of people simultaneously are also really desperately needing some support and some acknowledgement um, and some honoring and celebrating in our country right now. The Trevor Project is an incredible uh, youth-oriented support and advocacy group. Um, in particular, they help folks that are, have suicidal ideation and are struggling with mental health. Um, and then the gender spectrum is an incredible group for anybody, uh, folks that are exploring their gender, folks that are really settled into what their gender is and how they express it, as well as parents, teachers, um, spiritual leaders in community, healers. If you are wanting more education on how to work with folks that are um, opening up their gender and exploring their gender or declaring their gender, this is a fantastic place to go to. And last but not least, of course, for Virgo season, I had to mention period.org. Uh, this is another advocacy, education, and support and financial support group that gets 
uh, period products into the hands of people who menstruate. Um, period poverty is something that affects people all over the world, even yes, in this country, but uh, but and also all over the world. And folks are not able to attend school. They're not able to go to work because they are having their period and they can't take care of it correctly. So period.org is a group that does education, outreach, and financial support, supply support for uh, folks that are menstruating. Okay, patrons, what the fuck? You guys are fucking rad, thank you. <laughs> My God, the current list of absolute rock stars that make all of this possible and or this is your fault. I don't know, however you wanna take that. <laughs> Um, work with me, tarot readings, astrology readings, et cetera, et cetera. You guys probably already know all about this stuff, but if you don't, um, for patrons, one of the bonus benefits that you guys get is that you get to book earlier with me than anybody else. Um, so my, my books are open earlier for you. Um, also all patrons get discount codes. Uh, so you always get a discount on your reading. Um, and then at the higher levels, uh, that that people sub to you can get free readings with me every month a half hour check-in an hour check-in or a two-hour check-in once a month um yeah that's some of my favorite work to do also i love uh establishing that those types of relationships with people and being able to work long term on projects is really really fun um and that is everything 